Amen. So a little bit of a recap before we get into this morning start a study, and I'll try not to do that a lot. Uh, Zacchaeus is uh, so last last week we talked about um, or, or Sunday we talked about Zacchaeus's encounter with Jesus, and um, you know the Lord said that you know salvation had come, and uh, so it was a, a blessing to see. We also uh, studied the parable of the minas, and um, and what are we going to do uh, with Jesus's command with the gospel? You know, and, and we looked at three options that we really have from what was given in the story, uh, the parable as Jesus spoke. We can accept him and be obedient. We can reject him and face his punishment. <clears throat> we can neglect to be active with it and uh, just neglect, uh, sorry, neglecting the uh, the Great Commission. And uh, and then you know, literal the reward you know is is gone. We're forfeiting that reward that the Lord would have for us. So uh, I just think accepting and be being obedient is always going to benefit us in our life. Um, no matter if it's if it's you know carrying the gospel, if it's just being obedient to the word, whatever it is, as we submit our will to the Lord and we follow Him. We're always going to be blessed, and uh, that that blessing is just walking in peace with Him. Because I I know I know for me when I'm at a point where I I'm not willing to yield something, or or if I'm just being stubborn about something, you know, there's you know the Lord the Lord just keeps His finger right on it. <laughs> like hey hey you're trying to get around this, and you know I'd rather just walk in His blessings. So where we're at. As we pick up in verse 28, it's the last week of Jesus' life. He's on his way to Jerusalem, and uh, he is now coming uh, in verse 28. We'll see. Um, it's going to be a familiar uh, study for, for anybody who's been in the Word for a while, the triumphal entry. So uh, he's, he's now near Jerusalem, and uh, that's where we're picking up. Verse 28 says, when he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, he sent two disciples saying, go into the village opposite you where you enter, uh, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So uh, as he's approaching, uh, it, it speaks of the Mount of Olives, Bethphage, um, and Bethany. It's a familiar place to the Lord. Uh, I spent a lot of time in Bethany um, with Lazarus, Martha, Mary, uh, close friends of his. And uh, the Mount of uh, Mount, Mount Olivet, the Mount of Olives, uh, you'll be familiar with that uh, from John chapter 8. Uh, Jesus' encounter with a woman uh, caught in adultery. Also, it, these are there are several places, but these are the ones that came to mind as I was studying um, Acts chapter one verse twelve. Uh, you'll see the place of his ascension. So it's a pretty significant place in the scripture, uh, the Mount of Olives. So uh, Jesus sends his two disciples to a nearby village, and um, there will be a. Uh, he tells them there'll be a colt tied, and no one's ever sat on it. Loose it and bring it here is what he's telling them. And uh, just tell them if anybody asks that the Lord has need of it. And uh, so he gave a, a command with very specific instructions from the Lord. Um, there's no record of, of them questioning him. They went obediently. And uh, when we see here what he tells them to do, it's, it's a blessing to read as we <clears throat> move forward in it. 
they're very specific instructions, as I said. Go <clears throat> go into that village. You're going to find a colt there tied. And he gives them very, uh, you're going to find this, you're going to find this, you're going to find this. And if this happens, you're going to say this. And uh, the Lord knew exactly what was happening. And, and we'll talk more about it. But verse 32 says, so though, so those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. So they went and found it just as he had said to them. The Lord knows what he's doing. You know, when he gives us an instruction, and I mean, that's that's kind of a, uh, that can be a little bit intimidating. Hey, go in, go into the village, and when you see a, just when you see the colt of a donkey, just un, unloose it and bring it. You know, they, they had come to see Jesus. They had seen Jesus, what he had done. But sometimes we may be called to something we don't quite understand. Like, Lord, why would you call me to do that? And the Lord just tells us, just go, and you're going to see. You know, just go, just follow, you know, because the Lord is going to be teaching us. He's going to be using us where we have. The, the Lord doesn't just send us somewhere to, to leave us there. And now we're stuck in the wilderness somewhere and completely lost. You know, if he's sending us somewhere, he's sending us there for a purpose. And he's got control of everything. You see the control. You see the, the foreknowledge that the Lord has. I mean, it's not a surprise that any of this happened as he said it would. He knew exactly how it was going to how it was going to happen. If you look to Luke uh, in uh, chapter uh, 22, it's in verses 7 through uh, 13, uh, preparing for the Passover, the Lord sent Peter and John to prepare a place uh, for uh, for them to eat, and He gave them very specific and detailed <clears throat> instructions. So we're kind of reading ahead. We're looking ahead a little bit, um, but I'm just going to uh, to read those uh, few verses to you here. Then it came. Then came the day of unleavened bread, and the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. So the Lord specifically, I mean, he knows our exact timing in life. He knows all these things. So when these guys are sent there, he's, hey, you're looking for the guy carrying the pitcher of water. Follow him into his house. Then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room? Where I may eat Passover with my disciples. <clears throat> then he will show you a large, a large furnished upper room that they uh, there make ready. So they went and found it just as he has said to them, and they prepared the Passover. Again, another example of they went and did, and it was just as the Lord said. You know, the the Lord's not uh, not a subject to what's happening in this world. It's not like, oh, if I had only known, you know, the guy was going to get a flat tire when I told you to go. You know, the, the Lord is going to guide our steps. And we will be, remember uh, we talked about it on, I think it was Sunday morning, where, um, you, you know, it was, it was a blessing to hear of my friend Jonathan being from Washington, going to San Diego, and for a short time being in fellowship with these two people that had, uh, been in his church, then moved to Texas and happened to go to New York at the same time. And they're in uh, they're in Central Park together walking. And, and uh, you know, th those things, you know, the Lord, the Lord orchestrates things in our lives and we can trust him when he tells us 
to go and do something, whatever it may be. You know, I, I, it's hard to give an example uh, more than what we see. These are these are two very profound examples. But in our lives, we shouldn't be questioning if we know the Lord is calling us to do something. Uh, we may have the heart of Jonah when he wants us to do something, and we know Jonah had other things other than just being scared of. <clears throat> Be scared, scared of going to uh, Nineveh. I mean, I mean, everybody there—just vicious people, putting hooks in people's mouths and dragging slaves around. I mean, just not, not nice people, you know. And and you'd think, oh, maybe that's why it might play. It might have played into it. But if you read to the end of the book, it was Jonah was upset that God was merciful and he was gonna—he wanted to see them get what they deserved, you know. And uh, but you know, we can run like Jonah, or we can just be obedient and experience the blessing. You know, when we read something like this, uh, and the Lord's giving very specific and detailed descriptions, sometimes he might just say, hey, go here and wait to see what happens. And we'll look at that here uh, in just a few minutes. But, you know, just understanding that Jesus is God. He knows the future, and he can speak with authority. Uh, you know, you look at Old Testament prophecy, and we're going to look at Daniel chapter 9 tonight, and uh, exact uh, precision, you know, that only God could have for 483 years prior. Yeah, it's just awesome just to be able to read and look and go, you know, God, that's the God we serve. You know, I think in today's world, um, God is cheapened. God is, God is uh, you know, lessened. He's brought down from his throne. You know, he's all knowing, all powerful. Uh, it's, it's, but in, and, and I know I've said it before, but there's the, there's the cue, you know, whenever somebody's told me, when I get to heaven, you know, we're going to have a conversation with God. You're not going to say a word. You're not going to be able to utter anything, you know, just to be in his presence. And I hope they're in his presence for, for a good thing, you know, but I've had conversations, you know, with uh, loved ones and I just let them know it's not really that way, <laughs> you know, in love, just sharing with them like, no, no, really, really, you're not. <laughs> so it's just, it's a, uh, it's a blessing that, um, you know that that the God is so is so powerful, and we that we can trust Him. And you know when He tells them, you know, go there, and, and in this uh, the biblical account where Jesus sends them to prepare uh, the meal, you know, He tells them right where to go, find this guy carrying the pitcher of the water, and go up and talk to him, and tell him, you know, we need this room, and uh, and the room's going to be furnished, it's going to be ready for you. You know, the Lord goes and and prepares a way for us again with that authority. So they went, found it just as he said. And if uh, God says something that's going to happen, it's going to happen. You know, we can we can trust in that. You know, there's uh, so many times that we can read in the scripture and just see of of unbelief. And the Lord's like, "What are you doing? Why are you here? You know, what what's going on? You know, and and it's happened in our lives. Of why are you running? What's you know? Uh, and you you think of 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 the biblical prophecy. Big, the big details, the little details, and just know that he's got control of it all. And only the creator of this, this, uh, this world, this universe, can speak with such clarity and authority like, like Jesus did. Remember how the uh, religious leaders marveled at Jesus? Remember at the beginning of his ministry, they're like, this guy speaks with authority. He speaks differently. You know, and it's because he he is the word. You know, he, he, he is God. And uh uh, you know, there's no reason to question him. Uh, one last example is Paul on the road to uh, Damascus. You know, he's got orders in hand, can pers persecute uh, the church, and uh, he gets blinded, and he's he's told 
what he needs to do next. And uh, Jesus visits Ananias in, in, in a vision and uh, <clears throat> tells him, arise and go specifically, another with specific instructions of the Lord, tells him to go to a street called Straight. Get up and go to a street, uh, straight street, you know, as we would call it here, and ask for, for Saul of Tarsus. He's there praying, and um, he's expecting you by name and seen, seen in a vision. And uh, Ananias uh, raises his concern to the Lord, and the Lord addresses him in, in verse 15 of Acts uh, chapter 9. Uh, the Lord says to him, Go, for this is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the, uh, the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias obeys God uh, despite his fear, chooses faith over fear, and goes and does it. And when he gets there, he lays his hand on Paul. Now, now the question that what he was fearing is Paul was well known to the Christians at that point. You know, he was he was catching people and standing there holding coats while they were stoning Stephen to death. You know, he's, he's just, he's there voting, you know, uh, voting uh, in favor of stoning Stephen to death. And hey, you know what? While everybody does it, I'll hold your coats. Go right ahead. And they knew him. They knew that he was going and he was persecuting, throwing people and causing them to blaspheme and throwing them into prison. You know, and uh, uh, so that word had got around when Ananias heard it. He's, you know, <clears throat> checking his ears like, did I, did I hear you right? It's going to be that guy. You know, and, and the Lord still calls him. He tells him, you need to go to Straight Street and minister to him. By the time he gets there, um, in, in his uh, trust uh, in the Lord, he gets there and he lays his hands right on, on Paul. Uh, Saul, as you read, it will say Saul, and his name is eventually changed to Paul. But he lays his hand on, on Saul and calls him Brother Saul. Brother. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a, uh, what, a, what a word of encouragement to Saul. You know, he hadn't been able to see for days, you know, and it uh, just puts his hand on. Paul's now a believer. He gets his sight back and he stays there with some days and uh, for some days and spends time with the disciples there in Damascus. You know, we just need to trust the Lord. These guys, the instructions were go here and, and, and take somebody else's donkey. And if anybody asks, just tell them the Lord has need for it. He didn't give them. Okay, so it, you know, it, you know, if if there's if there's more, he just come back and get me, and I'll go and everything. No, the Lord sent them, and uh, when when they got there, uh, it, it was no doubt to minister to them also, and uh, they were able to take that that obedience. Oh, and we're obedient to him. I can trust him, and I can follow him. So don't ever question the Lord when we know sure for sure that He's He's speaking to us. Just be obedient and see what He's going to use what He's going to use us for. You know these guys uh, um, when they uh, we'll, we'll pick up and read here in uh, thirty three and thirty four here in just a second. Actually, let's do it right now. But uh, verse thirty three says, um, "But as they were loosing the colt, the owners said to them, Why are you loosing the colt?" And they said to him. The Lord has need of him. So just as the Lord said, hey, if that happens, just tell him this. They did, and it worked out. It doesn't There's no, there's no um, uh, record of any uh, dispute or anything like that. It, it, they just they did. Maybe they recognized them. Maybe there was uh, some sort of, hey, at some point, you know, going to be coming back through. It doesn't, we don't have any, um, any you know, commentary on something being set up before, but uh, they were obedient and, uh, and let these guys take the colt. And uh, so they 
we're able to, and uh, there's no disagreement. And uh, you know, think about it. These guys and their obedience went and did what Jesus said, uh, and they were used to help fulfill a direct messianic prophecy. Isn't that cool? I mean, just think about it. They they just from their obedience, the Lord used them to fulfill messian a messianic prophecy, Zechariah nine nine. Uh, you look into um, a Psalm one eighteen verse twenty six. Uh, Psalm 110, you know, some of those messianic prophecies and, uh, you know, just, just two guys being obedient. And, uh, so they, they, they were obedient and did, and, uh, just be encouraged that our obedience means that, uh, you know, God's going to use us for, for his purposes. Doesn't have to, God doesn't need us, but he wants to use us. You know, I, I just, I think of, you know, things that, um, so I could mow my own lawn. But I know my daughter loves to ride on the lawnmower, so she'll get out there, and I'll have her do it. You know, just because just because it ministers to her. You know, the Lord, the Lord. I, so I can get a little glimpse into that. You know, that uh, the Lord knows that that we're going to be blessed by it. We're going to be strengthened and built up because when my daughter does that, she gets the confidence. You know, at first she's scared of this thing. Now she can sit right on there, and she's a pro. You know, she she'll, she'll push the. This is my youngest daughter, Natalie. Loves mowing the lawn. That'll get old quick, right? <laughs> so uh, I remember when I was a kid and I was just begging my mom, can I mow the lawn? Can I mow the lawn? And she was all worried about, because in the front we had these big hills. And uh, I, I, you know, I did the backyard and it was all flat and everything. And yeah, I thought it looked great. You know, it was kind of one of those things where it's done, you know, you're grabbing lemonade and you're like, ah, you know, hard day's work. And my, my older brother comes over. He's like, man, you missed a ton of spots, you know, you know, but for me, it was just the blessing of being able to do it. And then at some point I got to the point where I could mow the front lawn. As soon as I got stronger, as soon as I got more skilled, you know, and that's, you know, the Lord is going to build us when he's calling us to do things. Just be obedient. We're going to grow in our faith. We're going to be more skilled in the word. And he's going to use us for, for uh, bigger things as we show ourselves faithful in the little things. Then he's going to use us even, even more. Just by his grace, doesn't need us, but he still uses us, and that's a, just a total blessing to know. Sorry, I'm trying not to, not to get that. So, uh, verse 35. Then they, brought, <clears throat> then they brought him to Jerusalem, and they threw their own clothes on the colt. And they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the ground. Then as... He was now approaching, uh, now drawing near uh, the descent of the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, blessed is, uh, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So uh, the triumphal entry. I don't know if your Bible says that as a uh, as a header here for this section. I love Bibles that have the headers, uh, the red letters. I've told you guys this, the references in the middle. I use those like crazy. I love them. And uh, so if you, your Bible doesn't have those and you get to a point where you're like, man, I uh, because I've seen those before, you know, you're looking at the Bible. This is great. And there's no header there. Uh, eventually, you know, hopefully we know the word well enough that we don't need it. But I love that reminder, the breaks there. Just give give me the, the 
um, you know, God has has worked in people's lives to give us those reference points, just like we have the verses and chapters broken down. For me, it's an extra blessing. So, uh, you know, whenever we have those, it just kind of sets the scene for us. So that's what we're studying as, as Jesus's triumphal entry. And <clears throat> so there's much rejoicing what's happening here. So the crowd, as they're bringing the colt in, they throw their clothes on and they're they're making uh, making a uh, a saddle, you know, something comfortable for him to ride. So they spread their clothes out on the <clears throat> on the road. Much rejoicing and praising God. It says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Uh, the one worthy of praise was being praised. Now, often in Jesus' ministry, he would say, go your way and, and, and don't tell anybody about this. Now was the time to him be, for him to be glorified as the Messiah, the triumphal entry. <clears throat> the time had come. So he's no longer telling them, hey, not yet, not yet, not yet. This is the time. He wasn't slowing them down. He wasn't pulling them in. So the triumphal entry is covered in all four gospel accounts. So you can find it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You'll find it in there. And so uh, it's the only occasion here, like I said, that uh, he's openly presenting himself as the Messiah to the masses. Uh, so as, as this has a very extremely significant um, event uh, in the scripture, and uh, as we spoke earlier, uh, fulfilling uh, Zechariah 9, 9, uh, that I'll read you now. It says, uh, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Behold your king, king, coming to you. He, now listen to this. He is just and having salvation, king, it says, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey, a king. That's pretty amazing, a king. You know, if you look at, at Jesus, we see a humble a humble savior. You know, he was he was born in a manger. There, remember, as you read it, there wasn't any room for them in the inn, so they got, you know, he was born in a barn. You know, and, and uh, he, he, as we see here, he's borrowing a donkey. He gets rejected by his people, gets crucified with criminals, and he didn't have any crime or sin in him. Uh, and he's buried in another man's tomb. You know that that's our that's our king, that's our savior. Think of the think. I'll mention him again. Born in a manger, borrowed the colt of a donkey, rejected by his people, crucified with criminals, even though he had no sin and hadn't committed any crime, and he was buried in another man's tomb. That, that Messiah, you know, it just, it says coming lowly and riding on a donkey. Now, just as we think about that, it's not what you would expect with a king coming. With a king, you know, it not coming to you lowly riding on a donkey. It's, you know, we'd expect probably the most beautiful and strong of the horses, you know, that the king's going to go, it's that one. You know, king's not going to look and go, yeah, I'll take number 47 in line. Doesn't really matter. Bring it up here. The king, you know, an earthly king would want, I need this. And they're going to set themselves up there. Attack is uh, horse stuff, the horse bridle, you know, all those things, all the gear that goes on a horse. And it would have been, uh, you know, a, a, an elaborate one, you know, elaborate saddle, lots of, I'm sure, decorations, colors, purple to represent uh, you know, royalty. All those things would be there for an earthly king. You know, what do we see with the humble servant? The Savior was about to lay down his life 
all of those things that we did, those five things. You know, he's, he's, he's borrowing a colt of a donkey. It's such a blessing. Excuse me. Such a blessing to be able to see, you know, the Lord. Uh, uh, this time he didn't come to rule. He came to fulfill scripture such as you know, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53. I know I've mentioned those a few times, but it is the, that time is approaching. And, um, you know, if you read through, so actually, I think I, I, I just read Psalm 20. Uh, no, I read Psalm 24. Uh, it was yesterday that I read Psalm 22. Read through that. Read, it is amazing. Read, Psalm 22 is amazing to read. And then to wonder. You know, when you look at, at everything that happened there, and, and we look at uh, when we get into, hopefully we get there tonight, to Daniel chapter 9, when you see the precision of the uh, of the prophecy and that it was fulfilled and that it came down to the day, uh, that's it's it's amazing. It's 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 a uh, it's a wonderful thing uh, to be able to look at and just be just be blessed by. Verse thirty nine, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, "Teacher, rebuke your disciples." But he answered and said to them, "I tell you." that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. You know, the Lord is saying to them, you know, creation will and, and, and does praise his name. But even if I told them to be quiet, you know, this is the time for Jesus to be praised. You know, what they're saying is that and, uh, that, that Jesus is, is allowing them to sin and that he should not be worshipped as the Messiah. And he's saying, if I tell them to be quiet, those rocks are going to scream out. That would have been cool. <laughs> Excuse me. That would have been really cool. I'm hoping I'm not going to sneeze right now. So, uh, the rocks, uh, creation sings his praise. You know, it's it's cool to, I'm blessed in the mornings uh, when I work, you know, I work my overnights and uh, in the morning when I'm opening the campus back up, I walk down at about 430 onto the waterfront and um, you know I, when I'm down there and as I'm walking I can hear all kinds of birds they all have their own languages they're all talking and I'm always amazed I remember I, I had a, a, a paper route as a kid and I used to whistle to this one <laughs> this this one thinking it could hear me and now I realize it does the same thing anyways so it would do it and I'd whistle the same thing back you know and uh, and I don't know what doo -doo, you know it just does that you know so I uh, <clears throat> it's neat to hear creation and to see how different we are as people and how different creation is, you know, how many different, uh, you know, birds and how many different things to, to me, it's, uh, it's very evident. We were created by a wonderful and awesome, powerful God, you know, creative design, you know, even if somebody will, will, uh, will deny, uh, deny the Lord and, and say, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm an atheist or whatever. There are a lot, a lot of scientists now starting to embrace, well, some, something had to, what, what's, what's the one that designed? There's too much, too much there. That's, that's in order looking at DNA and just looking at what we have around us, that everything works out, that we have feelings that we can see and hear, you know, that we have our senses, those things, and that we're not like growing an eyeball out of like the side here, you know, just those weird things. You know, we, we were very much created by a loving God. And uh, what it is, is it's sinful man that wants to reject God. Uh, you know, creation itself, when you look around, is is praising him. But it's sinful man that wants to reject God. It's sinful man that will say, hey, tell those guys to be quiet. 
<laughs> Jesus is like, no, you don't understand. If I if I stop that, then the rocks are going to cry out. You know, Jesus say, it is the time for me to be praised. Verse forty one. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. So, as he's drawing near Jerusalem, says that he he wept. This is one of two times in the scripture it says that Jesus wept. Uh, the first time. John chapter 11, and the word used there um, spoke of tears, that Jesus used tears. This word, the Greek word that's being used here, is describing a um, a convulsive sobbing. Um, his heart is broken over Jerusalem. Uh, so uh, when, when we hear this, uh, it's just important to understand one of two times where it says that Jesus had wept. And uh, we, we know that the Lord, uh, you look at Isaiah 53, 3, is a man of, of sorrow, acquainted with grief. And he knew the destruction that was coming, uh, that many would be killed, uh, forced into slavery. Uh, Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. Verse 42. We'll back up. So end of 41, then uh, read into 42. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. If you had known, there had been 400 years of spiritual silence uh, in Israel. Um, so uh, between the Old Testament and uh, the beginning of John the Baptist's ministry. So they had a long time to study. They had a long time to be, be prepared and to know the things that they should have been looking for. But they didn't want to accept them. You know, how often did we read of the confrontation between John the Baptist and the, the, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, um, even the political leaders? You know, they just didn't want to accept that it was this guy. They didn't want to accept Jesus. Israel should have known uh, because it's in their own scriptures, Daniel chapter 9. Uh, I'm just going to read uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 25 to you. Feel free to turn there if you'd like. Uh, we're just going to cover um, two verses. Should have tabbed it. <laughs> Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. And read that again. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks, the street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublesome times. Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. What is being explained there is a week is a seven-year period. So what, as this is being revealed to, to Daniel, it says that there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks, so seven and 62, 69 weeks uh, that was uh, going to uh, between the decree from King Artaxerxes. If you want to look at it, it's in uh, Nehemiah chapter two. You might remember our study 
uh, in Nehemiah. That was one of the books that, that uh, as Will would ask me, I was so blessed by Nehemiah. I still I love that book so much. There's so many lessons in there, but we looked at it from a leadership perspective, right, if you remember, and, and, and learned the leadership lessons that we can take of the type of leader that Nehemiah was. Uh, and we'd, we'd study through that, but Nehemiah chapter 2 is, uh, is explaining that uh, when Nehemiah gets in front of King Artaxerxes, uh, the Medo-Persian king that was uh, the, after Israel had been taken away, and uh, he's in front of Artaxerxes, and uh, we talked briefly about it a few weeks ago, uh, where you know Artaxerxes notices that he he looks a little down and everything, and <clears throat> that could have cost him his life. We've discussed that uh, a few times now. Uh, and he just asked, you know, what do you need? And 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 Dan, and sorry, uh, Nehemiah says that quick. And we talked about prayer. You know, sometimes it may be a long time where we're sitting in a prayer closet or in our car or whatever it is. This was one of those right in his head praying, and the Lord still heard it. You know, there there are different ways we can we can pray to the Lord as we go through our day, as things are happening. You know, Lord, I'm in a tough meeting. I need an answer. Lord, help me. Boom. The answer is, it's not like the, it's going to take time to get to God and, you know, it's got to go through the postal service and, you know, get, you know, get a, uh, you know, anything like that. The, the Lord is with us. He's omniscient, omnipresent, and uh, he's with us. You know, we got the Holy Spirit living in us and, and we can cry out to him and he's going to minister to us. He's going to help us. Uh, you know, Jesus even said that he, he give us the, the, um, the help that we need, uh, when we need it, we can just trust in him. Sometimes the spirit will even groan for us when we don't even know what to pray. You know, we have God with us. We can just trust. So Nehemiah, uh, in chapter two, uh, asks for permission to be able to go back and, and rebuild, uh, the wall uh, and uh, the the streets in Jerusalem rebuild Jerusalem. So this specific now you'll see some of the the decrees that were made in Ezra also, but those were to rebuild the temple. But if you look at Daniel chapter nine verse twenty five, it's talking about the street and the walls specifically. Okay, so Artaxerxes gives this decree, um, giving Nehemiah permit. Remember we talked about it, giving the permission, the protection, and the provision. Uh, to rebuild the wall. And that was from the Lord uh, wholeheartedly. As we studied it, we learned from that uh, to rebuild the city and the walls. So when when we're looking here, so from, from that day, and when we're talking about these weeks, these weeks of time, so there was um, uh, 69 weeks from that time, 360 day calendar um, would be 483 years. And you probably, you guys may remember Will breaking it down to the days. Uh, there was a um, a scholar that uh, I got to look up his name. I've got it here somewhere. Um, uh, hopefully, I typed it into my notes. Um, and I'll get. Oh, yeah, that's right here. Sir Robert Anderson in the Coming Prince broke it down to 170, 170, 173,880 days from that point till when Messiah would be. Uh, known would 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 be revealed from that day. This was the exact point. Israel should have been looking for him. The religious leaders should have understood that prophecy and been waiting for him. Wait a minute, that's going to be four hundred eighty-three years. That would be this year. That would this would be right now. They weren't waiting, like Jesus said right here. He says in verse 42, if you had known, even you, even you, especially in this your day, right? 
that's amazing. Uh, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. 483 uh, years to the day, and Jesus is uh, being presented as the Messiah as he's riding in on the colt of a donkey. So that's a fascinating study. When you get a chance, you know, go go read uh, the book of Daniel, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot in there to chew on. It's great. It's powerful. Yeah, it's coming into play right here. So they should have been waiting. They should have known when the Messiah was coming. They knew where he'd be born, right? Remember? Hey, where, where should the Messiah be born? Oh, Bethlehem. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. All right. Yep. They should have known when he was going to be uh, revealed also. Jesus is speaking of peace. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith... We have peace through God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to have peace with God is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. So when he speaks of peace here, it only comes through Jesus. Remember that as we're ministering and, you know, we're having conversations of, and we've talked about this before, of, you know, who is God? What is heaven? What happens after uh, after life? I mean, uh, uh, Oliver was sharing that he might just write a question down and, and people are going to bring these things up. And I'm sure you've heard a million and one answers, different answers of, well, how do you get to heaven? What is heaven? You know, all those things, just being able, just being able to have the answer, being able to point to them that Jesus is the way to have peace with God. And that's what we need. Their rejection of Jesus meant they don't have the peace and they have spiritual blindness. That's what he's explaining to them here in verse 42. Verse 43 says, For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will leave you, uh, they will not leave in you one stone upon another before, uh, sorry, because you did not know the time of your visitation. We talked about the time of your visitation. So we've, we've covered that pretty thoroughly, I, I believe. So Rome ends up sieging uh, Jerusalem in 70 AD, and it was utter destruction. It took a while. There was there was some battle here and there, but then it came to a point, you know, Titus brought in the, the, the uh, Roman army, and they just wreaked havoc. They wreaked havoc. And um, he was, it was his desire to not destroy the temple. Um, but sorry, something happened and a lantern or torch was uh, thrown into the temple and it caught on fire and it caused the, the, the gold to melt. So the soldiers, when uh, the Roman soldiers, after everything had done, they had to break apart all of the stones to get to all the gold. Because otherwise you'd be like, okay, if, if everything's decimated, why would they care about one stone over another? Because the gold had, had melted and was in there. Some powerful stuff. Because they had to get to it. So they didn't know the time of Jesus' uh, visitation, he says. And, you know, it's sad uh, that uh, just like Israel rejected the prophets, they're rejecting their Messiah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's sad when we see that someone's blind to God's work uh, and, and deaf to his word. It, it, it's sad. It's, it's a hard thing. We may have been those people at that point. I believe we were at, at some point until we came to a point where, wait a minute, this is all making sense. And we start placing our faith in him. And these things make sense to us because the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to us and teaching us. It's a sad, it's a sad point, you know. I, 
I watched a, um, a documentary uh, recently on um, drug use, and it happened to be fentanyl. And you, I'm sure you've heard about fentanyl by now, but extremely lethal. They say two two grains of salt, um, the size of the fentanyl, the, you know, that much, uh, will kill somebody, can kill somebody. And some drug users are using a gram of it a day, a gram, you know. So they're they're taking it and they'll put it on the um, the tin foil and they'll smoke it and it will it will it will become you know just smoke and they'll inhale the smoke. All day long, all day. I watch this documentary, and they're they're locked themselves in one family. There's one that's a whole family. There's a a mother and her three children and the mother's boyfriend all live in the same apartment, and all five of them. That's all they do all day long, is they do that. That's all they do. They spend their whole lives just inside. Smoking that stuff. Got to get high. I'm coming down. Got to get high. Got to, and they're they're o- overdosing. They've got Narcan taped to the walls all over the place. That's a sad, a sad existence. It's sad isn't even the word. I, I feel like that's such a, a a cheap word to be using right now. It's awful. It's heartbreaking to watch. Just to know, and 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 then the hope, uh, the hope that people will have when they send them away to a 60, 30, 60, 90 day. Um, program that's going to tell them about the importance of sobriety. Great. I'm glad that they're not going to be using in that time. But if they don't know the Lord, they don't have that foundation of faith. Oftentimes, way too often, far too often, they're right back into the, the pig muck. And they're they're back there and, and just ODing all day. It's it's awful. And there was one one person out of five that agreed to go that, that was doing well uh, by the time the documentary team had left or when they stopped. There were only one of them. Just a couple of them you know, stayed in there for 18 days or whatever. It was uh, The reason I'm sharing this is that's what comes to mind as we're talking to this. It's so bad to see the depravity that, that they have adjusted to. It's just normal everyday life for them. And, and what's funny is when they got out and they didn't know they were going to an intervention, this family, it, it was like, they had some, it was like when they were pulled out of it and they saw everybody sitting around talking to them, it was, it was, they, they were willing. They, they realized at that point that they, they needed a change in their life. Sometimes what it takes is for us to get outside of whatever it is that has completely in, enveloped us, just swallowed us. And uh, the Lord will bring us to those points. We need the Lord, though. You know, the man's programs and, and man's things uh, you know, will often fail. We have to understand that, it's, it, that there's sin to be turned from, you know, is what needs to, to happen here. That these people are, are looking for fulfillment in anything other than their creator. where they're all, That's the only place they're going to find that fulfillment is in their relationship with Jesus Christ. So it is sad. It's sad to know that you know they're going to miss out on the blessings and fulfillment of life in this time, and sometimes even eternal life if they haven't accepted the Lord. Uh, you know the alternatives are so much worse than than what we're seeing here in verses forty three and forty four. Excuse me, guys. Sorry. Verse forty five. Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. The second time he's done this in his ministry. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and scribes and leaders and the people 
of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. So Jesus goes in, he cleanses the temple. Um, a parallel passage will be uh, Mark chapter 11 if you, you know, care to do a cross-study and look at those. So he drives out all those who are buying and selling in there. And um, The temple is a place for prayer and worship. And uh, when he's driving them out, we have to understand why. When he says, you've made it a den of thieves, I've heard that there are some people, and if you're one of them, I'm sorry, I don't mean to uh, to offend you. I just don't think it's an accurate assessment that a church could never have a coffee shop within, within its walls. Wait a minute, you're setting up a marketplace within a church. And I've actually had conversations with people that were offended that another local church uh, had a coffee shop there. I'm like, let's sit down. You need to understand the scripture. And you know, it was, it was just a conversation of, no, I don't, I, you know, I think you're off base. I'm not, I don't remember all the, the things there, but I'm just, you know, explaining to them. They're, they're just doing that so that, you know, people want to sit down and enjoy a coffee and have fellowship together. What would you rather them all split up and go places, go to, you know, other coffee shops and not have fellowship? You know, yes, sometimes they can give out free coffee and, you know, sometimes, you know, free donuts if there's some leftover or whatever. And, you know, so we love to have coffee and donuts here for people. But if and we have had a coffee shop here because that type of stuff it sometimes can cost too much money to give everybody those. So so that's off base. But I've actually heard that presented as, as something. That's not what's happening here. It's not like Jesus is, is going over the coffee shop. And no, what was happening here is is these people were ripping, the, the religious leaders were ripping people off as they were trying to come in and worship God. And, and they were making it a place of great thievery. So people would travel from far away and you know sometimes would bring their own uh, animals to offer as a sacrifice or, uh, or they would go there and, and just buy them. And uh, when they'd bring their own for a sacrifice, the priest would examine them and, oh, you know what, nope. No, we found a flaw in this one here. We'll take it. We'll put it over here. You can buy this temple approved one for, you know, five times the amount of what this one cost you. But if you're here to worship, this is the only way you're going to be able to do it. You guys ever been to a, uh, if you don't understand a little bit of this, just a small little bit, ever been to an amusement park with your kids, spend their day in there, everybody starts getting hungry, you don't have food with you? It's awful. We, we took our we took our kids here, I think it was last summer or um uh, to, to an amusement park and and uh, we all just kind of wanted to get some like you know, just some basic things like some chicken strips and pizza. The pizza was forty eight dollars, forty eight dollars. I couldn't believe it, forty eight dollars. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, we're not buying a pizza. <laughs> I said, do we end up getting a, a bucket of chicken or something? I can't remember what we ended up doing. I think the slice was I think a slice was like. Nine, twelve dollars, something crazy like that. Like you're getting a good deal if you buy eight of them or six of them, however big they cut them up and everything. I was still offended by it. Um, it, it, it. If you think of that, if you think of that, and I'm going, there's no way we're getting out of dinner without spending 150 dollars, you know, because they don't, you know, they're not just going to give you a cup of water and it's this big, and you got to keep standing in line to go get it filled or whatever. You know, they, you're like, wait a minute, I'm getting taken advantage of. That should never be the case when someone's coming to worship the Lord. You should be able to come here, sit in service, and, and be blessed. This is totally different than tithes and offerings. This isn't, that's not what this is about at all. 
the Lord has laid it on your heart to to give tithes a ten percent of of your income, uh, and offerings would be anything above that, or you know, to this ministry, any any other ministry that you want to present as an offering to the Lord, then then be obedient to Him and and do it. You know, you're going to experience His blessing. That's not what this what we're talking about here. But these people were trying to worship the Lord, and they were being told the only way to do it is for you to do this. Oh yeah, so you're gonna buy that? Great. When you buy that, you it's just whatever X amount of dollars or what? It, oh, you haven't you haven't converted your money yet. You need temple money. So now the exchange rate is out is crazy. So they're making money hand over fist over people that are coming to worship the Lord. That's wrong, and that's why Jesus is in there saying this is a house of prayer and worship, and he's flipping over money tables. Get out of here. They're ripping people off. They're discouraging people from worshiping God, and that's a bad, bad place to be. We don't ever want to be there. And uh, just know, uh, doing any study on that, they were they were getting very rich from this practice, very rich from doing this. So Lord, the Lord's putting them in their place. <clears throat> In verse uh, 47, what we see here is that Jesus wasn't just cleansing the temple and then leaving. He stayed there teaching for days. And what we can see here is he was driving them nuts. The scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, um, sorry, the, the, the scribes, the chief priests and the leaders, they're all seeking to kill Jesus. And his ministry continued uh, to those that wanted to hear. If you look at the end of verse 48, it says they were very attentive to hear him. That's a blessing. You know, he just, you know, these people want to hear Jesus, and he's going to continue to teach them. You know, you're starting a Bible study. you got a ministry going. You're getting some, some flack. Keep teaching. You know, the Lord's going to bless your ministry. Whatever it is, you're having conversations at work, and you're like water cooler. Someone tells you to shut up. They don't want to hear it. Tell them to go somewhere else, or you go somewhere else and keep ministering to who the Lord. You know, that, that, don't let that discourage us. Be able to share, continue to share the word. You know, it, when it, <clears throat> when salvation is at stake, we have to be able to put our fears aside. If the Lord's calling us to do something, if you know, if the Lord's calling us to minister, minister to somebody, just do it. You know, these guys. It says, um, and where it says, uh, and. They sought to destroy him, but were unable to do anything. For uh, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. They feared the, the crowd. They knew that if they did anything, they would have to uh, face the crowd. I didn't know if we'd get there or not. We're going to cover the next eight verses. Uh, we're going to jump into verse twenty, uh, chapter twenty, and look at uh, this is this is one of my uh, uh, one of my favorite things. I love the answers of Jesus. Uh, in this uh, uh, this encounter and what happens here. It says, Now it happened on one of those days as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel that the chief priests and the scribes together uh, with the elders confronted him and spoke to him saying, Tell us, uh, by what authority are you doing these things? <clears throat> or, or who is he who gave you this authority? So, so all they can do is start questioning G. Like, what what are you here do, doing here? What did uh, what rabbi gave you the training and the the authority to to go out and do all these things? So they they think they're going to pin Jesus down. So um, remember, it's the final week of Jesus's ministry and uh, and his life here on earth. 
and uh, the chief priests, everybody's uh, united against him once again. And they start questioning him, saying, okay, well, well who says you can even do this? Um, and Jesus was more than ready to pose the question back to them. Um, and turns the situation back on them with his, with his answer to them. Uh, verse 3, did I uh, finish verse 2? Okay, uh, verse 3 says, But he answered and said to them, I will also... Uh, I also will ask you one thing and answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, <laughs> why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us for they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered him that they did not know uh, where it was from. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. I love this encounter. I love it because they, they had all got together and uh, they're making, they're trying to make uh, some sort of team up and like, all right, let's, let's go get it. Let's go ask him that. Who, you know, who says you can even be here and, and do these things. And uh, he turns it right back to a simple question. And he's, he asked them, he turns it back. He says, was John John's baptism from God or not? God or from men? And he gets them. And we're going to look here. There are a few things as we go through um, uh, chapter 20. And when we pick up next time, we'll see there were several of these types of questions that I got to the point where they're, they're out of ways. They're out of, they've got different groups. Okay, so they'll send in some spies. They get them all ready. And okay, so that didn't work. All right, we'll have the Sadducees. The Sadducees go in. And we'll talk about them next, uh, next time we get into this. But they've got different angles, different people from different angles, trying, to, and they're all trying to catch Jesus. And he always had, uh, it seems like he always had the simplest of responses to them to just leave them completely speechless, and leave them lost. And, and they're stuck. They're trying to get Jesus stuck in their response that, that they get from Jesus leaves them at a point where they, they don't know how to answer. So they literally say, we don't know. Because it's funny because he, he kind of leaves them at a point where, you know, they, they, they look stupid for what they're doing. And uh, so they knew that the answer would trap them either way. And uh, if it was from heaven, Jesus said, well, why didn't you believe him? And they said that, that he would say, why didn't you believe him? And if they said uh, if it was from men, uh, then they would face uh, – they were literally scared of physical harm that they would face if they said that, that John the Baptist ministry was from man. So uh, the crowd knew that John was a prophet and they had just rejected him. So Jesus said that there was uh, no prophet greater than John the Baptist. So I'm going to read you from Luke 27 uh, verse 24 it says, when the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see a reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled uh, and live in luxury are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I say to you, more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among men, those born of women, uh, there is uh, not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he uh, who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Verse 29 says, and when the people heard him, even the tax collectors 
justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, having been having not been baptizing by him, not having been baptized by him. There's the difference. The tax collectors, the sinners, are all repenting. But what ends up happening? So he explains who John is. There isn't a greater uh, greater prophet born uh, among men that came from a woman than John the Baptist. These guys heard and they listened and were baptized and repented. But then it says here, but the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves. Rejected the will of God is what it says. Not having been baptized by him. So as, as they're asking this question, and, and we understand who John the Baptist is, what type of ministry he had, they knew the ministry that he had. And what he did, it just frustrated them. It frustrated them because uh, they were they were in fear of losing control. They had control. They had they had all of the uh, you know. So as we've studied through Luke, I mean, how many times have we seen the Lord rebuking them? You know, they love to be seen in the in the the public places, praying on the corners, and you know, as they give, you know, the trumpet's going to sound, and hey, look what I'm doing here. You know, those things that can happen in someone's someone's life and in their heart. And so these people had rejected the will of God. Uh, for their own lives. And uh, so the, now they're at a point where they're trying to use uh, things to catch Jesus. So Jesus puts them right back to, hey, you guys are familiar with John the Baptist. Was his ministry from God or men? And they get to the point where they know they can't answer one way or the other. So they just literally write in. You know how uh, like you take a test, there's A, B, and you write in a C. They just create a C and they write in, we don't know. You're hitting that in the teacher. You're going to get it wrong. You know, and uh, we, we don't know. They're the chief priests, the scribes. They're the ones that should know the scriptures. And they say they don't know. The elders they are supposed to know the word and recognize God's working and, and teaching the congregation. But they're too prideful and scared to say anything. So their hearts are filled with murder and wrath instead of faith. So we see the, the condition of their heart as they rejected John the Baptist's ministry before and they just continue on with their building and their hatred. It's brought them to the point where they're murderous now. <clears throat> Instead of being filled with faith and uh, you know filled with the Holy Spirit, they're filled with murder. And they got the absolute best answer from Jesus. In verse 8, Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. I love that answer. I love the, the whole thing. You know, um, when when you see what was happening, the ministry <clears throat> ministry that they had, uh, and that they were—I shouldn't even call it a ministry—the the, the misuse uh, and and the neglect of the people and uh, ripping the people off. You know, the Lord just put them right in their place. It's such a blessing that the Lord didn't even really give them an answer because they're trying to get in the way. You know, people people are getting saved. People's lives are being changed. The gospel is 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 getting out there, and they're saying, "Hey, why don't you tell those people to be quiet? Tell tell all your disciples to stop doing that." And Jesus is like, I, "No, because if I do, the rocks are going to cry out." They had it wrong, you know. And and uh, reading <clears throat> reading through this has has uh, and and for for us to be studying this, there's so much so much here for us to learn and to grow from. Just understanding God's timing. Think of God's timing and, and how he blesses us when we are faithful to the call that he gives us. 
go here and do this, and I'm going to take care of everything else. And we looked at three different examples. This one, we looked at Peter and John being sent uh, from 22. We looked at uh, Acts chapter 9 uh, to Ananias being told to go to the Christian murderer and to minister to him. Following God is, is so much better than just wallowing away in whatever sorrow that can uh, the world has to offer us. It's such a blessing. Such a blessing. I'm blessed by it. And I... <clears throat> We'll pick up in verse 9 next time we get together. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you uh, that we can be together here. Uh, thank you that you teach us and you're so faithful, Lord, that your Holy Spirit ministers to us. Thank you so much. We are so blessed by your presence, by your love, by your word. Help us, Lord, to be in your word all the time. And, Lord, that we would continuously just, just uh, turn from our will and follow your will. Mold us, Lord, by it. Challenge us and help us just to, to yield to your spirit. Thank you so much that you open our eyes. Lord, help us to be about spreading this gospel of love and freedom from uh, sin and death. Lord, put it on our, on our mouths and, and help us to show that we're your children by how we act and how we talk. Please be with us for the rest of this week. Protect us and bring us back together again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.